Hello again, gentlemen. Welcome to the first day of Thatch's Thatch Can Style Wrestling. There's a lot of glare coming off that dome of yours. Squirrel nut! What does WrestleMania mean to Brock Lesnar? It's a day that I get to show up, kick somebody's ass, and get paid to do so. Crying out loud, he can't use a thing with you swearing like that. I don't give a damn. I came up here for a purpose to prove some son of a bitch and thing. And I'll tell you what I came to prove, that Lawler didn't have the guts. Hey there, folks. Welcome to We Don't Know Wrestling. And this week, we have an episode of the Desert and Comp series. This week, I am joined by Dan Rice, friend of the pod. Dan, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Yourself? I am doing well. It is 8 10 on a Sunday evening here. Are you out of the Cleveland area? Oh, formally. Formally. Yeah. Where are you at now? Uh, I'm in uh, Southern Ohio, pretty much right where West Virginia, Ohio, and Kentucky all meet. Well, that's fun. That's fun. Yeah. Man of yeah. Many states, more or less. Yeah. About about six minutes from West Virginia and 15 from Kentucky. That's ridiculous. States yeah. shouldn't be that way. That's what I've decided. <laughs> Any hoozles. We're going to start this episode like we start most Desert Uncoms, and I want to kind of ask, hey, how'd you get into this whole rigmarole that is professional wrestling being a fan uh, i mean it's like a pretty familiar story i feel like most of us we don't choose this lifestyle we're born into it That's fair. Uh, i don't really remember like making a conscious choice to watch it uh i remember the undertaker like that is like i have a visceral memory of the undertaker as like my first oh like i'm where my family's watching wrestling and i care about this uh and then my mom, I grew up with a single mom, and, like, so she would do extra stuff that, like, if she hated it, like, she felt like she had to go, like, hard into it, like, to be like, oh, you, you know, you don't have a dad, but we're doing boys stuff, so, like, I wanted to go to wrestling, so she made sure I went to wrestling shows, and anytime WWE in town, we would go, and, and then sweet. I simply got into, uh, well, I, my, my, my go-to story is that she always hated Undertaker and Kane, because she would bring, like, uh, novels and try to read during the shows. <laughs> So anyone that has their power go out or the lights go out during entrance, she's not a fan. That's, that's amazing. She slam her book down and look up and be like, okay, this stuff. <laughs> oh, we're uh, here again. Yeah, we're doing this again. <laughs> Isn't that once enough? Yeah. And then, you know, got in the, was watching WWF and WCW and then got in the ECW. And then that takes me to Japan and tape trading and just never stops. Yeah, I like to say I, that every comp seems to tell a story. And your story does not include a lot of formative stuff, it seems. Uh, I was thinking that. I was looking at it, and, like, it's mostly my – the peak of my fandom. It's, like, mostly, like, when I was having the most fun being a wrestling fan. So, 03 to 03 to 07, like, that is, you know, my high school years, and – you know, like I said, I got into tape trading. I remember the first time I had to convince my mom, like, for my birthday, what you need to do is fill out a money order 
and mail it in the mail to this guy. Some real sicko shit, really. Yeah. And she's like, what? No, no, trust me. He has good reviews. He's not on the bad trader list. He'll send me stuff. Everyone's doing it. Yeah. This is not weird. VHSs show up in the mail and I'm watching, you know, Ring of Honor or, or Noah or... You know, whatever what, is the milieu of the month. Yeah, whatever, whatever I can I choose. I need say I need at that month and I order and I get. But yeah, I felt weird on making my list because I'm like, I'm looking at my list. And I'm like, there is no WF. There is no WCW. And I have fond memories. I like obviously I like a lot of stuff from the 90s of WF and WCW. It's just when I had to get it down to 10, 10 is so hard. Nothing felt like I had to be on there. I very much get that. I very much get that. Well, with that, how about we just get into it? All right, let's do it. Um, with- and I also feel like some of my list, like, I don't know, like I probably should have, you know, All Japan, you know, 6395 or whatever. Um, I should have Ring of Honor, CGW, Cage of Death, like, but it just feels like that's been covered. You want something a little unique, a little, yeah. a little fresh. Yeah. Also feels like like Ring of Honor seems to be cage death match. I've I could probably just close my eyes and, and play it in my head. Uh you don't need to take that with you. I don't I don't you, even, you I don't got even, in your heart even, at all times. Got, got it right there, yeah. But yeah, how do you want to get started on the list? Right now they're just chopping each other. Oh dude, you're gonna see forearms, you're gonna see elbows, you're gonna see spinning back fists. These two are some of the hardest strikers in professional wrestling. They bring it to you anytime they swing. There's no accidents, there's no wasted motion, no wasted energy. Oh no, all energy, all on hatred. And right now it is a battle of who's gonna blink first and it's Kingston who breaks the battle and there's that boot in the corner. But that's exactly what I'm talking about! Hero fires right back! All right, we'll get started with your first matchup from AIW's Charger to the Underhills, taking place from Turner Hall, December 26, 2014. It is Eddie Kingston versus Chris Hero. Dan, why did this match make your list? Well, this is one of, I think, three matches on my list that I was there for. Because I feel like you're on a desert island. You want to remember times when you weren't. You want to remember times when you weren't trapped on this island. So uh, I'm going to have a couple AIW matches because that's the local Cleveland promotion. That's uh, where I spent, you know, when I was up there, where I spent a lot of my Friday nights. And on top of that, this is probably the best match I've ever seen live. That's a tall order. Yeah. Um, this is uh, this is the one. This is this is Hero's first match with Eddie since Hero left WWE. And they they were ready for it. You could tell they were excited about having this match. Yeah, I uh, watched it for the first time today. Oh, that's exciting. For this. It's a humdinger. <laughs> um, Ethan Page did one of his uh, Egos Amigos or whatever with Eddie Kingston and tells the story of being there for this match. And before the match, they're in each other's face in the back backstage area. And then they just slap each other once before they go through the curtain. And that feels like that sets the stage for what this match is. Like, they beat the crap out of each other. That's a great bit. Yeah. I'm a big fan. Like, I don't know if they're working the boys or they're working themselves or what, but it's awesome. Yeah, two dudes with obvious history. 
not great history. And it seemed like it works by itself, but also works in kind of the context of the history of these two men. And it's very interesting seeing this match now with how Eddie's now being treated in 2022. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, Eddie's been ready for the showcase he's been given for years. So it's, it's awesome to see him finally getting. Uh, I like, I just love it because it starts out and you like, it starts out there right into their face. Well, even before that, uh, Dave, the potato, like the crappy AIW referee asks you know, them if they're ready and heroes and not Kingston's first words are fuck off. And then they get right into their face and it's like, that is the match. Yeah, there it was into it from the very get go. Yeah, and it definitely felt like there's some pent up emotions coming into it, pent up aggression ready to be dealt out on one another. And these are two like just masters at doing it, and oh, yeah. knowing that like in 2014, Eddie was great. Eddie was been great, but there's been so many people who have been not a fan or have doubted the man or put him down to some regard Seems- it's so crazy to me because eddie is it's i don't know how you don't see it he's an all-time seller i took my friend jess to see chikara when they were in cleveland and it was eddie versus uh delirious i believe and i will always remember she's not a pro wrestling fan and she was concerned for eddie kingston she was like but his knees really hurt like I couldn't convince her otherwise. She left that left that building, going, "Well, like that guy really hurt his knee during that match. Like someone Damn, should help." Sucks. <laughs> and, and and I mean, he may have, but like he is just that good of a seller. Like you believe everything. Yeah, he absolutely makes it feel real. <coughs> Brings that extra something to things that you don't get from other wrestlers, and grounds yeah. it in a sense that. Hard to explain. There's another point. I think they're in the corner and Kingston is slapping Hero and he says, I, this is not an exact quote because I haven't watched it as recently as today, but he says, tell me what they taught you. Tell me what Triple H taught you and is slapping him repeatedly in the face. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's like a perfect storm coming off that WWE run that didn't go great. It's very funny that he goes back eventually. And now we're in 2022, and that man is the one that isn't wrestling anymore. Yeah, you you would not have thought that this is where they would both be in their careers eight years ago. Oh, for sure. And especially since I do very publicly saying, hey, I don't know. I'm, I'm planning on retiring at this point because I don't know how long I can keep this going without being able to, like, commit to food on the table for me and my family. And now he's... Not just on a national stage, he's on national television every single week in front of millions of people. It's incredible. I mean, if you told me they were going to put the the strap on him, you told me they were going to make him the world champion, I would believe you. I don't. I don't personally think it's going to go in that direction. I wish it would, but it's not outlandish to think about. No, I would say no matter what, Eddie never touches a belt in AEW. Will's gotten a good finale to that man's career. Yeah, agreed. So, is there anything else you want to kind of touch on in this match? Obviously, Humdinger, like I said, AIW, home promotion. Is there anything else here that really kind of stuck out with you? 
Um, I think that I would hate the finish done by 99% of professional wrestlers in the world. The, uh, the rolling elbow, uh, Saito suplex sliding D finish would feel like overkill done by like anybody else. But in this match, it's like, that's the perfect ending. That's it worked. Yeah. It made sense here. And that's kind of one of those great wrestling finishes when it really shouldn't work in most cases, but just because of the two individuals and the groundwork they lay, there we go. Yeah. And it's on AIW's YouTube, and everyone should watch it. I mean, best AIW match, best live match I've ever seen. Just go see it. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. When I saw it, I was like, oh, I have never been a big AIW guy. For the oh, most part, that stuff tends to let me down more than meet my expectations. Even when I think, oh, that match looks rad as hell, heck. But this one definitely lived up to the billing. We could go all the way back to my first Wazim cast. I believe that I uh, was breaking down JLIT, their yearly tournament. And you, you, I think what I remember you saying, everything you're saying sounds great. I will not enjoy it as much as you're saying. Yep. <laughs> A thousand percent. And like just, that, is, that was your exact attitude to everything. You're like, that sounds great. It won't work. Yeah. Yeah. And then you just announced Alec Price for JLIT 2022. So that's. Another guy I do not enjoy. Um, all right. <laughs> there we go. But they're gonna be on IWTV, so you know. Probably gonna watch it. It'll be a good time. Are you ready for match number two? Yeah. It's uh, Canis Lupus versus Trauma, number one, uh, April 19th, 2016. Mask versus Mask match. This, um, this was something else. This was a match that just seemed like it cracked through in a way that most Lucha matches haven't. Yeah, and that, uh, you know, another one is I do like Lucha, and it was tough to only have one. Uh, I mean, I thought there was a rule to only have one, but I needed to fit some on, and I thought about, you know, it, should, it probably should have been a trios match. It probably should have been Park versus Rush, but the match that, like, when I close my eyes, the match that's stuck in my mind is this match. Like, I, it's, it's a horror movie, and there are stills from this match that when I close my eyes, I see it, and, like, I, I just have to keep, I had to be in my top ten. Yeah, I, that I totally understand. It was a match that was getting match of the year buzz. It's one of my favorite matches of that year. I think it was probably my match of the year if I look back at, you know, the sheets. But yeah, it's a lot to love about Lucha period. It has all of the emotion, the blood, the guts that you were hoping for off a Lucha Puesto's match. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, the first two falls... It sets everything up perfectly. It's what you want from the first two falls, but it's that third fall where there's just blood everywhere. They're throwing the plastic chairs at each other. That is 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 exactly what I want from a mass versus mass match. Where this this mass means everything to them, and they're 
they're putting it all on the line. And I don't have science to back this up, but any match, period, lucha or otherwise, that includes a neck brace in the middle of the match, or during the course of the theatrics, rather, that's a win in my book. Oh, it's perfect. Uh, then, then the doctor putting the neck brace on him with the white coat gets thrown into the puddle of blood by Canis, and it's it's perfect. Yeah, uh, there is so much energy in this building. I obviously I love the IWRG building just because it's a bit smaller, it's a bit more intimate, and it is one of those arenas where the geography feels so plainly laid out. Because CML dominating what I consider the great venues in Mexico, you don't get lots of lucha brawls in these iconic venues or these places that feel very distinct like you do here. Definitely. Um, and then you got the post-match stuff where after trauma wins, you know, the hero conquers all uh it's like it's almost like even though they just killed each other that goal goes away because there's like the respect of what they've both been through because trauma is instantly like almost consoling him and he can't get his own mask off his girlfriend takes it off he proposes to his girlfriend it's like it's of course that's exactly what needs to happen yeah it's like a great boxing match or whatnot where at some level even with all the animosity that comes in it, there's a, the steam is being let out as you go because you're just going through it with this other individual to such a degree that. Because, and that's truly, not the only person who can understand what you've both been through. Exactly. Exactly. How can you be truly hate this person that you've been through so much that no one else can gather? Essentially. Yeah. No. And that, I mean, I'm far from a lucha historian or a lucha expert. I love it. Um, Did you say lucha historian? <laughs> it's uh, related to the lucha source. Oh, perfect, 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 perfect. Yeah, but this is just this. This was the one for me. I guess technically, I have a little bit of a lucha match later on in the list, but not really. No, I'm not counting it. So it's fine. <laughs> it's not. It's also wouldn't have guessed in a million years. If I'm being quite frank. Yeah. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Now, so this. Do you have anything else you'd like to add to number two? I don't think so. This one's also on YouTube, and everyone should watch it. And don't let small children watch it. It's terrifying. Yeah, it's haunting. And in general, don't let small children watch wrestling. But <laughs> don't let them become fans. Period. It's if not you can stop good it, for them. If exactly. If you can stop no. it, do so. It's for them. <laughs> No, I think that's all I have to say about this one. All right, cool. Again, trying to get back to his feet. For the back heel trip again is Danielson as he hangs on to the cravat. McGinnis refusing to go down, though, but gets caught with a European uppercut that rocks the challenger. Measures them and connects with yet another. Again, back to the cravat goes Danielson. Nigel, though, takes him down, but Danielson again, relentless. Match number three from ROH Weekend of Champions, night two, April 29th, 2006. Another match from Cleveland, Ohio. 
It is Ryan Danielson versus Nigel McGinnis. Why did this match make your Desert Island comp? Brian Danielson is the greatest wrestler of all time and my favorite wrestler of all time. So he's got to be represented on the list. And if it wasn't for the Kingston Hero match, this would probably be the best match I've ever seen in life. Um, it was... Brian was the Ring of Honor world champion. Nigel is the pure champion. And I've always had the soft spot for the pure rules. I think maybe they're stupid, but I love a lot of stupid things. And... This is, both titles are on the line. It's under pure rules. And o Nigel is a sneaky Ohio guy. I mean, he, he's, he's British, but at this point, before this match, he's probably had, I'm going to go ahead and say, 75 matches on Ohio. Like, he was in HWA. He was in Cleveland for Cleveland All Pro Wrestling. Uh, I mean, the Ring of Honor shows, he was already kind of prominent on the Dayton shows and the Cleveland shows. And then Brian's Brian. So this is a big match. And it, it lived up to it. It was amazing. I mean, I know a lot of people are going to like the unified match better or any of their subsequent matches better. But this, I believe this is their first match, their first singles match. And it was two of the very, very best. Brian already probably the best in the world or one of the best in the world. And Nigel on his way there. And this um, is the third variation of Nigel versus Brian that has made it onto a Desert Island comp. It's the the most chosen matchup that isn't the <laughs> same matchup of any uh, Desert Island comp. So that's very interesting. Obviously, you go to any island anywhere in the world, there's going to be Brian yeah, versus I, Nigel. <laughs> yeah, I said anyone anywhere, they're taking a Brian versus Nigel match. Bunch of freaks. Uh, it starts out and... Brian is better. Brian is slotted higher than Nigel. Not, it's not worked equal. And Nigel has to use all the little pure rules where he makes Brian punch him so Brian loses a rope break and things like that. Um, and then it goes all the way to the finish, which is a count-out finish, which I don't know. I mean, I was 06. I was a 17-year-old kid. I bought that dusty finish. I thought Nigel won the world title, which doesn't make sense because the world title doesn't change hands on count-out rules, but the pure title does. But I thought I just saw a title change. I jumped out of my out of my seat, was screaming. It it just all worked for me. I love pure title rules. I love any kind of rule set that you can get weird with. That isn't like a hardcore gimmick. So anything that involves rope breaks and like you do have UFI rules, love it. Anything that feels like it imposes some sort of I won't say limitation, but added thing to pay attention to. I'm I'm all about. And it was the perfect way to they would eventually through their matches, Nigel would become an equal, but it, it wouldn't have made sense for Nigel to start on Brian's level. But Nigel's done all these pure matches. Nigel knows these rules better than Brian, and that makes sense. Yeah, allowing specialists. To be able to gain an advantage in their realm of expertise. It makes sense. It works. It adds a little extra flavor to these sorts of matches. Like when you get like a more traditional technical wrestler going in there against a deathmatch guy in a more deathmatch setting. Like they shouldn't probably win 
99 times out of 100 the deathmatch guy in a more straight-up match, but when you add in the extra layer, well, guess what? They're up against it. So it's always interesting to see how they can play that out. Obviously, we haven't seen a lot of peer wrestling uh, rule stuff incorporated in that way in the current ROH. Maybe Tony's bringing it back. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I like I think there's a place for it. I think that it's as they're as simple as they are. I mean, it seems complicated, and sometimes they're not good at explaining them. But they just they work to make matches work. And when you when you're doing with Nigel and Brian, I mean, it's you know it's it's gonna work. They can make any roles work. That's that's, that's true. So between now, we have a champions night two. Unified and sixth anniversary, you know, we're almost getting them all. We're going to collect them all eventually, <laughs> I think. Someone's just going to have a new favorite Nigel versus Brian match that I would not have guessed. And I don't think there's a wrong answer. Like, I, no, I'm not going to, they're, they're all amazing. Yeah, I mean, you, you've got the added benefit of being at that this one, but someone that was at that picked unified was also at unified. So I guess that goes yeah. for that one as well. If you're at a Brian versus Nigel match, you probably had a experience that feels like it's <laughs> left an impact on certain individuals who are there for it. I guess this will become a, a, a theme too, is I took a, a fan who wasn't really a wrestling fan and then it changes each time because then they're still not wrestling fans. But that was the only real match that night. I remember it was my friend Guillermo. And he bought a program that had a picture of Taylor Wilde. I don't remember what else she went by on it Amazing. because he was excited by that. And then he liked this match. Nothing else he cared about. He didn't want to like this match. He got pulled into it. Damn. The rest of the time, he was just like, I mean, he was basically, you know, I'll go out with my buddy on a Saturday night. You know, we'll see what this thing is. And it was, you know, indie wrestling for a guy who doesn't even like WWE is, is weird. And then, cup of but tea. then I got it. Yeah, it, it got him. Well, you know, at least this one got him. Good thing yeah. it didn't bring him into being a wrestling fan. Though, you know, that would have been hateful. <laughs> I would never do that to him. Well, thank you. I'm glad. Oh, oh, oh no, ladies and gentlemen, look what the what a shot! I guess he wanted the necktie. Can you believe that? Damn, nice chick. I tell you what, I've seen, I've heard of brotherly love before, but that's something. Well, you know, there's always that sibling rivalry. Because uh, Jay says he's better, Mark says he's better. I have a question, are you? Uh, no, no, On the top rope? No. Send it up to the top. Oh, oh my God! Nice shooting star press. All right. Let's move on to match number four. Taking place in Del Mar, Delaware. June 25th, 2005. It is Jay Briscoe versus Mark Briscoe. Dan, why did you put this match under Desert Island Comp? I, this is a match that is so fun and so insane. And it does get talked about, but not enough. It's an outdoor show. I don't know if there's 100 people there. And it's a surprise match. The Briscoes have been out of wrestling for a year. There's terrible com live commentary. And then Jay and Mark Briscoe just come out and beat the crap out of each other. I, I don't know if, if there's 
some sort of story about why they're, I mean, I think the announcer jokes that they're fighting over a girl they met at the bar last night or something, but they come out, uh, I think, I think Jay is wearing like jorts and Mark's in like basketball shorts, maybe. Uh, and they just punch and slap each other immediately, just a rough tie up. And then I think they start punching and slapping each other as hard as possible. And then they go on the outside and then they both lose their mind. Mark hits Jay with a chair harder than you should hit someone you hate, much less your brother. And then he just rolls in the ring and hits a shooting star press to the outside. Yeah, the match is so then, bananas Jay, from beginning to start. Jay stands up from that and hits Mark six times in the head with a chair. Maybe seven times. I don't know. Over and over again. His brother. Yeah, there's no brother love here. No. It definitely feels like at times Jay's big brothering him. Oh, yeah. There's some of that. And it is one of the most, one of the stiffest matches you're going to see, period. They're just going to the wall to crush each other. It's, it works as something that's very unique and very eye-catching. Like, oh, holy shit, what the fuck is this? As well as, oh, hell yeah, they're just ripping into each other. Let's go. So you got to love it both ways. I mean, I have a brother, so I'm on this desert island. I miss my brother. Pop this in. Reminds me that big brothers can always beat up little brothers. Exactly. Exactly. It's science. That's how it works. Um, I believe at one point, it might have been after this chair shots where Jay just repeatedly hits his brother in the head with a chair. The announcer says, like, let's give it up for Jay and Mark. And then the crowd does, like, weird applause for just seeing a man get brain damage. It's wild that after this match, these two become one of the greatest tag teams of all time. It just doesn't seem like Mark would have much of a career after this one. Well, if that was the story, because like I said, they had been out of wrestling. I think Mark got in a car accident, maybe. One of them was in a car accident, and they didn't want to work without each other. Where if they had disappeared, come back for this match, and then disappeared again, that wouldn't be that strange. You'd be like, oh yeah, they they, they thought about coming back, but then Jay killed Mark. <laughs> Yeah, and you absolutely, this, this match would be a footnote. We wouldn't really talk yeah. about it all that much, even if it was this batshit insane thing. But yeah, like I said, instead they come back. Uh, I mean, I think they come back to maybe JAPW and then Ring of Honor, and they're just the best tag team in the world. It is, it's wild. It's wild. It's a match, that, that cheer shot sequence you talked about is out there. He really just goes all the way with it, repeatedly. Mark lost a little bit that day. It's just one. Of, yeah, it, it does. It's so violent. Oh my goodness! It does not work with twenty twenty two eyes. I'll tell you that much. No, it, they should. No, Twitter, it should work. Twitter. W- it should well, work. It should, but Twitter would not approve. Twitter would not approve. I don't know why this match is not play, taking place at GCW every single week since they have a show every single week. Someone's got to start just going to it. Like, let's just smack this dude in the head with a chair repeatedly. And then some, like, some other dudes will be talking about it a decade from now on a podcast. And they'll just say, hey, that was sick. That'll be that. No, I, I, I don't have much more to add. Other than to say, just I mean, there's really not much to it. It's not a long match. It's just 
two brothers beat the crap out of each other. And I love this match and I love this, my brother. So I'm taking it to Desert Island. Makes sense. Makes sense. I love it. All right, moving on to match number five. New Japan Pro Wrestling taking place at Kobe World Hall, October 20th, 1996. It is the great Muda versus Jushin Thunder Liger. Dan, why did this match make your Desert Island comp? Dan, you there. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Yeah, can you hear me? Yep. Oh, sorry about that. No worries. All right. I heard I heard you introduce the match. Should we just go into it? Yeah, let's just dig into it. All right. This match is I remember one of the first matches that I got from Japan in the tape trade. Um, I remember I started with all the obvious stuff, like the King of the Deathmatch stuff and Super J Cup, and then I already knew about Muda and I already knew about Liger, so I got this. And when I, I want to describe it as a cinematic match, but not in the way that those ma- that that term now means. But it is like a movie. I mean, Liger comes out and he's dressed in white. I mean, couldn't be more like it could be less subtle. There's the good guy dressed in white, and then the bad guy comes out dressed in black with a skull mask on and a dragon on his shoulders. And that's just the entrances, and you're like, here we go. And it's really good. Liger's using uh, his you know quick Liger offense to try to one-up on Muda. Uh, Muda takes control, and it's all pretty much building to Muda being a prick and ripping Liger's mask. And then, uh, I, don't, I don't know how to pronounce it, but like Kaishin Liger comes out. Like he's got the paint on underneath. And uh, he's got the body paint on. And he rips the top of his outfit off. And he just goes insane and starts trying to murder the Great Muda. And I don't know. I think that everyone should watch it. It has, I mean, it's, you know. It has a feeling where it's the dark lights, the uh, the spotlight when they go out of the ring, uh, both guys just being maniacs that night. Hmm. <laughs> I I have not seen the match. I feel like I should be oh. honest with you. I've never seen the match. You're saying I should watch you, this. You should track this down. I mean, it's probably 15 minutes, if that. Um, like I said, it starts out Muda kind of bullying him because Muda's the heavyweight, Liger's the the, the junior heavyweight. Um. And Muda's being being awesome. There's a spot that I really like. It's so small and su- not not subtle, but where he's trying to set up a table on the outside, like leaning against the corner. But he's already, I think, I think he did a pile driver on it <laughs> in this 15 minute match, so it's already bent or something. And it starts to fall down. And as it's falling, he slaps it to set it back up, and it starts to fall again. So he grabs it and just 
whips it full force at Liger. And sipping at GCW, I see that and I go, why can't guys just do that? Instead of spending 14 minutes setting up a table spot, Muda tried his best. Table wouldn't wouldn't work as a table, so he's like, I'm just gonna hit him with it. It's now what? This is now in my yeah. bag. And then when Liger comes out and Liger's on offense, he's got a spike and he's trying to kill the Great Muda. I, you got to see this, Sam. You got to watch it. It's so good. No, it's not. Did you say this is one of the first matches you received on Tate Trader, or was it the first? No, one of the first. Mm-hmm. I I couldn't tell you because, like I said, I know I start. I know I had some order Super J Cup. And the King of the Death matches were like some of the first two I got. It's kind of boring, kind of what you're supposed to get. Yeah, you know, the the, uh, the usuals, the classics. Yeah. But then I started going through the list, and you know, I know Muda and I know Liger, so I'm like, I circled it and I was like, give me this. Like I said, mom, send the money order to this guy. He's gonna send me a tape where two guys try to stab each other with a spike. It's it's worth it. She said, I guess I guess we're doing this. Yeah. No, there's a little pageantry with these two individuals that is not always the case with professional wrestling in general, where it doesn't feel where there's not pageantry and it's not corny. It feels like those two things go hand in hand a little too often. No, these two are stars. I mean, you have the old stereotype of the quiet Japanese wrestling crowd. That's not this. People are buzzing. People are yelling. People are screaming the whole time. And it's uh. It's 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 amazing. Yeah, I think it's on Daily Motion. You'll have to check it out. Yeah, I think I saw it on Billy Billy as I was perusing for this episode to get things all lined up. So I'll have to put it on my to watch list. I've got I've got some things to work through on my docket. But yeah, I would say if you're, if you're listed anything like my list, you'll get to it in 2024. Yeah, yeah, you know. Greatest wrestler ever taking place in 2026. I just got to get to everything before then. I mean, that's going to, it's going to help. It's going to help Liger's candidacy. Um, mood is too, but I don't know. Mood has got way too much crap. Mood's got a lot going on. There's a lot of bad mood. I don't think there's a lot of bad Liger, but. Mood's a busy man. Yeah. Making moves, making money. Just breaking his own ankles. All right. Yeah. I don't have much more to say about that. I feel like I described it maybe too poorly. Maybe I was too chaotic, but the match is chaotic, and that that's what I got to get across. I love a little chaos. I love a little chaos. But uh, cooler heads prevailing. And there's a European forearm that jigsaw down. Uppercut right there to the knee. The meniscus area, I believe. I'm not a physician assistant, but... He could take oh! All right, moving on to match number six. A match that I adore <coughs> is from Chakara's Hiding in Plain Sight from September 13th, 2009. It is Brian Danielson and Claudio Gascnoli versus Jigsaw and Mike Quackenbush. Dan, why this match make your desert on comp? This match made my comp because I'm a big uh, Chikara guy, sadly, now. But, you know, I was super into Chikara. Um, and I had to pick a match to represent Chikara. And I also love Brian Danielson, so I'm like, let's just kill two birds, one stone. This match is one of the best in Chikara history. And all four of these guys are great, and they're all on fire. 
higher on this match. So it just seemed like an obvious choice. Um, it's mostly, the highlight is it's Danielson and Claudio just breaking Jigsaw in pieces. Oh, I didn't oh, mean to do that. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Uh, <laughs> but they are just, they have so many unique ways to just attack his leg. And it's just, it's just two, two amazing pro wrestlers at the type, at the top of their craft. And uh, you get the, you get the Danielson quack stuff that you want to get. Um, at the time, that was always, I mean, I know they had a bunch of matches in IWA and stuff. But anytime those two would get in the ring together was great. Yeah, and you know, Chikara was a big part of my wrestling fandom. That was definitely not just a hot promotion, but felt like a very different community than a lot of indies out there. Obviously, that promotion and owner have been tainted to yeah. an extent where it's nothing's capturing that vibe again, uh, frankly. And that's unfortunate, though him and cronies should not be welcomed back into this sphere. That's for sure. But no, and if someone didn't want didn't want to watch this match because of quack, I completely understand. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, it, this match rules, and it makes you excited for Danielson and Claudio as a potential tag team in the current wrestling landscape. It makes me sad that we never saw Jigsaw really get a, a proper run anywhere. It's always that, huh, he has that one great kind of... It's a Sunday dot match? Yeah, yeah, it's the great little TNA Rubik's stint thing, but then it goes nowhere for some reason, and it seems like, wow, that's... You rarely get to see, like, the opportunity for a wrestling promotion. Not Maybe not to be a star but to get someone that would immediately be a hit with the crowd in just that window close. You don't get to see it in real time, <laughs> usually like that. that way, that's a big part of a lot of Chikara's history is just great wrestlers from Chikara never catching on anywhere else. Yeah. I mean, Hollow Wicked, I mean, I, I mean, everyone always cites him as such a great and how great he was in the ring and Part of so many great programs, and he doesn't do anything. Yeah, the fact that he never got to do anything of real substance is going to be a huge bummer. Like, that's like the moment is gone for those guys, and that's just very unfortunate. I think the biggest part about this match, and it just, I'm going to spoil it because it just, it rocks so hard, is Claudio doing the single leg big swing on Jigsaw. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When you say breaking Jigsaw into pieces, that's it. That's just like, holy guacamole. That's gotta be achy after that one. Uh, it's really funny because, I mean, I don't know. A lot of Claudio stuff in WWE's timeline, I didn't watch WWE. But, like, you watch this match, and then you watch him in AEW, and it's like, he hasn't lost a beat. Like, he's still right there. Like, oh, he still absolutely knows how to do all the things that we've seen him do in the past. And he didn't just unlearn it over the course of a decade, over a decade. That's awesome. That's that's the dream. <laughs> I didn't get beat out of him. And like you said, hopefully Danielson gets back in there and we see a lot of stuff with him. Yeah, I know that the Mox tag with Brian was kind of the big, the 
big lead there, but it just feel would feel unfortunate if we didn't get these two really plying their craft as we get to see in this one for sure. And yeah, that's that. That's match number six. Unless you have anything else you'd like to add. No, like I said, that's just like Chikara. I mean, like I said, this is not a lot of my form of the years. This is my peak of being a pro wrestling fan and doing the most in the pro wrestling and seeing the most pro wrestling. And Chikara was a big part of that. So I had to have him on the list. Absolutely. Totally get it. <laughs> they would absolutely have to have a presence on mine as well. But right now you got Trent Asin taking it to homicide. And not only is he taking it to homicide, he's mocking homicide. Look at what Trent Asin's wearing. And this is a fight without honor. No code of honor in this one. And, and Ray, I can't believe the action that we have going on so far as now homicide fighting back on Trent Asin. What a vendetta we have here in the Murphy Rec Center as Trent Asin and homicide are taken to the streets. Right here, look at him! All right, match number seven, a match that I watched for the first time today. It is oh. from ROH's WrestleRave 2003, taking place at the Murphy Rec Center. It is Homicide versus Trent Acid. Damn, why did this match make your desert on comp? Well, again, Ring of Honor is a big part of my, my fandom. And this is almost, this has a lot in common with that Jay and Mark match. Homicide and Trent Acid tried to kill each other here. Uh, Homicide and Trent Acid had this weird feud that kind of spanned a bunch of promotions. Like it took place in CZW and, and JAPW and, and, and Ring of Honor almost simultaneously. And I don't know if it was because Trent Acid, uh, unfortunately went down the path he went down and passed away. Or maybe it's because at the same time as Homicide Carino. But this feud is just getting, got forgotten. And I legitimately think this is one of the best matches in Ring of Honor history. You mean, uh, this match is one of the best in Ring of Honor history. Yeah, this match. This and it's and it's basically forgotten about. It's not really talked about. No, no, like this is not a match that was on my top of Ring of Honor watch list here. No, and I mean, like I said, like everyone would tell you to go to watch Homicide Carino, and you should. They're great matches, but these matches are great. I mean, the it starts out almost immediately. It goes to the outside, and Trent Acid does a, an Acai Moonsault and just lands directly on his shins, it seems like. Oh, yes. And it, it doesn't, doesn't get less crazy than that. Like, it doesn't slow down. Yeah, uh, it is wild from sort of beginning to start. Like you said, very similar <laughs> in a lot of ways to Jay Briscoe versus Mark I guess Briscoe. Except to me, a that I just like that. Try to kill each other. Yes, yes. This may be a little bit more plundery, but it works. Yeah. Um, the big, the big spot is insane. I don't know how many times I've seen it since or if at all, uh, homicide hits an ace crusher on Trent to the outside through a table, just a bonker spot. Like, I don't know like how they thought it through or why they did it, but it's amazing. Oh yeah. It kicks ass. And the way they set that up, it just feels like a misdirection at some point in that spot. And yeah. It's also just because of the shoddy camera work that they're kind of well, yeah. all yeah, over the place. That. But no, the match rocks. There's a lot of dude rock wrestling going on here. It, again, I don't um, want to keep hammering on the modern day stuff, but seeing this is like, oh, how is GCW not doing something more like this? Uh, they have. Like they could do that. They yeah. could do that, but they don't. Yeah. We have some of the. 
an environment that should lean itself to be a little bit more audacious in that way. And we just don't get it. But these two, and these they've had, this is probably their best match from what I've seen now, but they've had plenty of good matches throughout their kind of runs. Have you seen the match after this in Ring of Honor? No. It is, I prefer this match, but it's if you liked it, it's worth watching. I think it's that better than our best, maybe. Don't quote me on that at all, though, because I can't remember these Ring of Honor names. But uh, it it's it's really good, too. Uh, it has a better finish, too. Yeah, the finish, the finish on this one is not super-duper. It's almost so stupid that I like it. Yes, like yes. I like yeah, and there's, I was going to spoil it. It's a roll-up. Yeah, they, and they do so much before that that like, it's not good, but also I could not care enough to say the match was anything still less than wacky and wild. And, uh, I mean, it's said by a million times, it's said by Kingston on, on television, but no matter how much praise you give Homicide, it's not enough. I mean, he was so important in the early indies. Yeah, I would say even really like both of these guys were incredibly instrumental to that success of the early independence. Yeah, I, I always I was a big Backseat Boys guy. I I always thought that they were going to go on to do you know bigger and better things. I mean, there's a multitude of reasons they didn't, but. The work we got is good. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, you would wish there could have been more, but gotta, yeah. gotta take what Heck, we even like yeah. sticking around in GCW today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like they would be probably in a similar situation to like a Nate Webb right now. Sense yeah. that like yeah. get plenty of opportunities, lots of plenty of work. Maybe it's not all bangers. But they would be entertaining. That's for sure. Well, that's that's all we've got for Homicide versus Trent Acid from WrestleRave. Fancy about that, but effective. Oh, DJZ comes out. DJZ using the ring apron, spinning and hitting the Rana. Bodies flying everywhere. Bodies oh, now it's bodies. Gringo Loco in the ring. Looking to, oh, oh trying no. to run up the- We are moving on to match number eight. It is from AIW's Girls' Night Out 17, April 30th, 2016. Taking place from Our Lady of Mount Carmel. It is Bandolaro and DJ Z versus Gringo Loco and Sky Jr. Dan, why did this match make your Desert Island comp? Now this this is the one that you were most thrown by. I'm um, throwing my two things here. One, the match itself. Two, that took place at Girls' Night Out 17. Well, that that is part of it. That's part of the thing. Uh, the Girls' Night Out shows. I mean, I don't know. Don't cancel me, but I've never been a big fan of Wendy's uh, women's indie wrestling. It's just the just the level is not usually where I'd like my professional wrestling to be. But I would go to these bizarre AIW shows. It's the, I mean, the birthplace of Britt Baker. Um, I think this one, this is around the time where, uh, I can't even think of her name. Uh, crap. This is embarrassing. Uh, Blazer, uh, you know, MMA fighter, WWE. Oh, nah. yeah. Shayna. Shayna, there it is. Sorry. Jeez, I'm getting old. Uh, well, she was there. So, I mean, that was exciting. She was really good. 
And this match was not announced. And I'm at this show. I'm sitting next to the world famous uh, Juicy Pat Lucy in the front oh, row. Bless him. Uh, yes. This is not for me. The show's not for me. It's one of those things. It's almost like when they would go to the student shows where it's like, I'm here because I go to wrestling shows, but this is, I'm not, I'm not expecting anything. And then I think this is either right before intermission or right back from intermission. They announced this match, and I'm like, what's happening? And, you know, I know DJ Z. He's a, he's a Cleveland guy. Um, and then I have no idea who Bandolero is. And then Gringo Loco and Sky Jr. come out. And I think I know who Gringo Loco is. But I'm like, is that the guy from the IWRG shows? Like, is that him? Like, that, I, that's weird. This is all so weird. And then they have this insane match where they pull out all the, all the stops. Just insane spot after insane spot. And I'm going to say, not only do not all of them work, a lot of them don't work. Uh, Gringo Loco almost dies on a spot, it looks like. Yeah, it's, um, it's incredible. Because he also gets a you fucked up champ from one individual. One individual only. <laughs> as this man almost dies on a dive. Well, the crowd's not great. It's a girls' night out crowd. As you're not going to get a good crowd. <laughs> and, uh, but it was one of the most fun experiences I've ever had at a pro wrestling show. Because I was not ready for this. I was not ready for these, these four guys to pull out all the stops. And DJ Z and Gringo Loco are so fun in the ring together. Like, you can tell they train together, but not in the way where it's like choreographed. Because it's all very well done, very stiff. It, it just works. Yeah, it is an interesting match. I was not, again, was not expecting this one because Sky, Sky Jr. and Bandolero, I haven't heard from them since pretty much. Um, and to now think where Gringo Loco is, thinking of him as the IWRG guy is not many people's first blush here with him. Well, I, I think this match deserves credit for where Gringo Loco is because they ran this same match, maybe. They might have switched Bandolero out for someone else. I can't remember. On like a regular AIW show because I think they're like, holy crow, like, look what we got. And uh, and then he became a regular at AIW and that's basically where he started getting all this indie work. Yeah, and I, I, when I was looking up this match... There was definitely another promotion that's, that ran this match previously. There's or, that. It's the Lucha promotion out of Chicago, I think. I can't remember what it's called. Galley or Golly? Yes, that one. They they probably ran it, and they you know, they got their 200 views, views on YouTube if they're lucky. I mean, just, yeah. not, I'm not sure this one has much more from AIW, but it's on YouTube, too, and it's it's insane. Oh, Bandolero. Dives into the crowd, lands on my lap. That's got to be part of it. So it's, this match, I still don't understand why it took place at Girls' Night Out. I I have no idea. I don't have an answer for you, except, like, I don't know. Uh, there was probably another show, like, almost certainly, another later AIW show after the Girls' Night Out show, because that's how they would get people to come to Girls' Night Out. And I'm guessing DJZ was on it, and they rode with DJZ, and they just said, hey, can we go nuts for 20 minutes? 
And John Thorne said, yeah, go ahead. Just have fun with it. That's the only thing I can think. Yeah, no, I'm like, it, I'm there. I'm with it. I'm for it. That's part of the memory. I know it doesn't work. Like someone's going to pull, people are going to pull up on YouTube. It probably shouldn't be on anyone else's desert island. But if you're me sitting at, you know, Mount Carmel, kind of bored, kind of probably thinking about whatever the next AIW show is, kind of thinking, what am I going to have for lunch? Uh, politely clapping for women's wrestling. And then this match comes and it's just a hoot. It's just so fun. Yeah, it, it definitely it would be a change of pace for yeah. our shows. I've seen those shows. They are not particularly good, I think. Unless you are Shimmer, it is very hard to have a all-women's U.S. indie card and make it a, a success from beginning to end. AEW is um, not that. No. I, I mean, I applaud them trying. They have a lot of these girls on our show. They tried. They gave it a go. No one's giving it a go anymore, which is interesting. Now that I'm thinking about it, I was like, you know, what's the last uh, independent promotion that is running all women's shows as, like, not a side attraction, but, like, an own, its own individual thing? No one's doing it. Yeah. So... That's very interesting now that I'm thinking about it. Between that and intergender wrestling, things have changed since 2016. <laughs> Some things are out of favor. For whatever that may be. And oh, women's before, wrestling is, before yes. we move on, yeah. I can't forget. I'm remembering this match. It's also for some there's no DQ for some reason. Because uh Skya Jr. just whips everyone with his belt repeatedly. Yeah, I mean, who cares about that? If you're wearing <laughs> it, you can use it. That's my I, motto. You can see the referee like try to enforce rules, but then he realizes like this is just happening. I am an innocent bystander to what is taking place right now. I am here to count one, two, three, and that's about it. Yeah. So respect to him there. Right back up. Or chop to the chest. Kenta staying on his feet. To the face. I'm just kicking away at the head and the chest. What impact! All right, that brings us to a close on match number eight. Let's get into match number nine. It is Loki versus Kenta from Final Battle 2005. Dan, why did this match make your desert island comp? I could not possibly have a Desert Iron comp without Loki. Loki is such a big part of my wrestling fandom. Um, and then I had to narrow down the which Loki match, and that was almost impossible too. Um, there's the obvious Brian matches, but I already have two Brian matches. Um, and then this match popped in my head. And I remember when this match was happening, how stoked I was, what a big deal it was. I mean, this is a GHC Junior Heavyweight Championship match. That meant a lot to me at that point. I was super in the Noah, super in the Ring of Honor. Um, I think this is Kenta at like the height of his ass kicking. Um, I think Loki's always been at his height, probably still is today. He's just like an asshole. No one wants to work with him. And this match is spectacular. No, it's looking uh, forward to watching him in House of Glory. 
<laughs> I think he just got announced for some really a PCO versus Josh Alexander versus Loki. He got announced for somewhere. Um, that doesn't seem real. I, I mean, as, as I said it, I thought maybe I made that up. Hey, you know, I think you might have. I think <laughs> I couldn't I remember Shayna Blaze there, so like maybe, maybe who knows what I'm talking about? But this match is so stiff; they're slapping the crap out of each other. They're both at like their height of their prickiness. Like Kenta, Kenta's kicks are just—they're just trying to kill Loki. Um, he does the spot that I love that he does a bunch where he leapfrogs into the ring, but then he just leapfrogs over his opponent and then just like flicks his uh, foot backwards to kick the guy in the face. Um, it just every so often it breaks off into like a little slap contest where they slap each other in the mouth. It, it works. Like if this was ever going to work for you, this is the match there. Um, and this was the main I event think, of Final yeah. Battle, right? I, I believe so. Really putting me on the spot. Time about over five. I don't. We're all googling now. We're all just searching Final Battle two thousand five. Final Battle two thousand five. <laughs> yeah. was, was I mean, they're probably event? yelling it. No, everyone's saying yes in their microphone. Yes, yes. Okay. it looks like okay. it did main event, which in What's itself is interesting. It takes place after the Ring of Honor World Championship match between Danielson. Amara Fuji. Okay, yeah. So, you're not the only one that held the GHC Junior Heavyweight title in high esteem. Yeah. They put it over its own, their own title. That's interesting. Um, I mean, Noah being part of Ring of Honor was so natural. And, I mean, those were my two favorite promotions in the world at that point. And it, there wasn't a close third. Uh, Loki and Kenneth were probably two of my favorite wrestlers. And it's amazing. And it's one of Loki's last great matches in Ring of Honor, I think. Um, because he's so on and off in Ring of Honor. Actually, I think that I was at Loki's last Ring of Honor match. I think he has a match with Jack Evans in Cleveland. Is his last random match because he got in a fight, gave about something, I'm sure, and then never came back. That's how it happens. Everyone's getting in arguments with Gabe, and that's it. That's your done. Log off. This is one of but, those I mean, so important the Ring of Honor. It can't be can't be overstated. It's one of those dream matches that once I can't imagine a dream match in 2022. It feels like feels like nothing really captures that essence. This is one of those ones that have take place in Ring of Honor on U.S. soil is a different vibe altogether, and it works. It's a it's also a different world entirely. Like I remember being on the Ring of Honor message board, refreshing the message board to see, because there isn't a Twitter yet, or at least I'm not on it, to see who's winning these matches. You know, you just got some guy, I guess, on a on a, his phone calling into his buddy on who's on the message board. Yeah. Yeah. I think... <coughs> I, I miss low-keeping in prominent positions. To have great wrestling matches and to do it in front of a, a bunch of people. I mean, not a bunch of people, but a captivated audience. At this point, I take him in a non-prominent position. I just, just wrestle. I just like to see him wrestle. Just like to see him appear. You know, I was told that House of Glory was going to see a big influx of cash. 
they're going to be running a whole lot more. I blame the pandemic for not giving us that. That's the only way we're going to see Loki <laughs> in more wrestling matches, it feels like. I, I, I know we had that match with uh, Ninja Mac, but that's the last Loki match I can remember uh, again. Why? Why did that match happen? Why is that the gift the gods <sighs> have given us? I don't know. That's the thing is that, like, I feel like Loki matches are so rare and precious now. We should all get to approve the opponent. Yeah, we should get to create a table, a little, a little club, and make sure that one we don't have a the killer a killer cross match. That's next up on the docket for for Key. Ridiculous, oh, God. embarrassing. I hate it. But no, that's this makes sense. <laughs> You have to have a low-key match. You get a, a real, another humdinger in the air. Ring of Honor. That's going to be our final Ring of Honor match of yes. the comp. There's only one more. Uh, and the next match kind of pairs with it. The uh, next match, I'm going to just be blown with you. It's a match I've never seen. It is, oh, you would hate it. I would hate it. Okay, good to know. Good to know. Uh, don't, from, don't, don't watch this match. It is from August 17th, 2008. It is Burning versus Kensuke Office. Dan White's match in a design comp. This match, like I said, I am a big Noah guy, and I know this isn't Noah, but I mean, Kobashi, Nakajima, Kenta, Sasuke, it's these guys. Noah. Like, yeah, I think it's technically Kinsuke Office or whatever. Who cares? And this is, this is like branching off of the Kobashi Kenta versus Kinsuke. Nakajima tag match they had that I believe in as a draw. So then they do this survival match. Um, like I said, you would hate it. It's over an hour long. Uh, and Or it is around an hour. And it starts out with Team Kinsuke Office sends out uh, Miyahara, who is a big deal now, but was, wasn't then, and Okita. And then you expect that Noah's going to send out Aoki, which they do, and then Ido, like they're two lower rung guys. But instead, they send out Kenta, and so Kenta gets just to be a bully to so these two Kensuke office guys, and it's great. And they have a match, and it works. It's great. Uh, I think Aoki uh, submits uh, Miyahara, and then Kensuke himself is like, "No, I'm going in there now." And him and him and Kenta immediately are nose to nose. Aoki tries to get involved, and Kensuke literally just shoves him to the side to continue the stare down. And it's all the Noah excess that you could want, all the chopping you could want, all the kicking you could want, all the stare downs. And I love it. And at this point, a lot of my matches are short. I got to get a long one in there. I'm on a desert island. Yeah. This is just not slightly nightmarish for me, but I get it. <laughs> I know enough about what you like in pro wrestling in 2022 that I'm telling you, please don't watch this. Don't do that to yourself. But it does feel like everyone should have at least one 
long ass match before their desert Island comp. A lot of folks go with a Royal Rumble. Or maybe a I was I had a match that I was thinking of, but then it just left my brain all of a sudden. Maybe a multi man elimination match. It's all fine. See, this was tough because actually the, what I had in this spot for a long time was something from Kobashi's GHC title run, the two-year run he has. I was like, it's going to be one of those matches. Like, it's going to be uh, the Sasuke match or the Akiyama match, or I'm actually weirdly particular to the uh, Mike Awesome match. Uh, and I was like, what do I want? What do I want? And this map popped, popped in my head, and I was like, this has to be it. This gets this gets Kensa on my list again. This gets the Kabashi on my list. This and there's a time in my life where this was what I wanted in wrestling. Now, if you t- told me that these eight, the equivalent eight wrestlers in 2022 had this match, I probably would hate it. Yes, no, that I get that. I get it. Does seem to cover a lot of bases, especially if you're a Nova fan, which is, you've reiterated once again. That is a big part of your fandom, especially during this time. Yes. So. This gets a lot of those wrestlers into the mix that maybe you've missed. And it gives you kind of that interpromotional rivalry sort of match as well. So, Millie, you have kind of a couple here in that regard as far as if you want to consider Key Kenta sort of Ring of Honor versus Noah. Obviously, I don't think the animosity between those promotions was really ratchets that up more than it being just an exciting matchup because of individuals rather than the promotions. But this definitely kind of gives that interpromotional feel of, okay, these are two warring factions of individuals. Yeah. So is there anything else, is there anything else kind of special that makes this sort of, this is the last match on the list. Anything that really kind of helps pull this all together on your end. Um, it just, like I said, like, clearly my list is, I mean, let's see, outside of the Liger match, I guess you have a couple later matches, but most of most of my list is from the 04-08 period where I loved Ring of Honor and I loved Noah. And this is just, I'm on the desert island, probably slowly dying from, you know, starvation and heat. Like, let's just relive the glory days. The glory days days where I was freshly out of high school and some of my friends were like, hey, do you want to chip in for a beer run? And I'm like, I can't. That's bada bada Noah. I got Noah t- <laughs> I, got, I got a shipment coming in. I can't yeah, be, no, can't no be busy. If I don't sign for that package, it just doesn't come. <laughs> I get it. Cool. There we go. That is all 10 matches. Now we are going to be going into your three promos, angles, vignettes, what have you. Starting off Number one here, it is the Briscoe Brothers, Terry Funk, ain't wear no mouthpiece. Dan, why is this promo on your design comp? This is the promo equivalent of their match from earlier. This is the Briscoes. Um, this is actually the one, one of the, this is probably one of the last ones. I had a lot of trouble with the three extras three extras is very hard I, I probably had more trouble thinking of that and narrowing that down than i did the matches and this is actually not 
a period where I am that high on Ring of Honor. It's actually when I'm starting to get off of Ring of Honor. But this promo is amazing. From Jay losing his train of thought to Mark shooting in the background, it's the Briscoes' essence at 100. And now I told you where I live. I live in Appalachia. This is probably 40% of the guys I work with, and I love them all. Yeah, it is so interesting. The gunshot is really the the chef's kiss that ties it all together. Yes, yes. It is absolutely 100% a great J promo. But then that gunshot from Mark off (laughs) off screen, it really just like, oh, yep, that is them. That is these two individuals. They are the hard-working wrestlers. They are the folks that wrestling is a job. It is not maybe their entire life. There is other aspects to them, and it is maintaining the land in some sense. So, And I was never a Davey Richards, Kyle O'Reilly guy, so I'm already fully Team Briscoes. I'm, I want the Briscoes to win. I want them... I want their, I guess you would say, their philosophy on professional wrestling to win as well. Yeah, you didn't need to be convinced that MMA was an evil for wrestling. Yes. At least from our reach. All right, moving on to your second promo. It's Dusty Rhodes. The view never changes. Dan, why this promo make your Desert Island comp? Now, this was tough because I didn't have any WCW on my list. Like, I didn't have any Flair. I didn't have any Dusty Rhodes. I didn't have any of the War Games matches that maybe I, if it was, the list is 20, the list is 15, I probably do. And so I knew that I needed to get them in on the extras. And I needed to get either Flair or Dusty. And this is just my flavor, favorite Dusty program pro, promo. I like it more than Hard Times. Um I think he's perfect in it. I think his delivery is perfect. Um, I wish I had better, better memory because when he calls Terry Funk a watermelon, watermelon thieving, egg sucking, maybe son of a gun, I can't remember what comes after that. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And I didn't have a father growing up. And I assume that if I did, he would have talked to me like Dusty Rhodes. Dusty has a way of words. Yeah. No wrestler really has. He is a unique promo. That is, he has too many good ones in his uh, repertoire to, to, to speak of offhand. Uh, I know for a fact that in elementary school, I said that if you're not, the teacher says thing about being a leader. I said, if you're not a leader, you're a walk behind her and the view never changes. And she thought that was like from a pastor. And she loved it. She, I remember her writing part of it, like not not exactly right, but writing it on the board. And I'm just like, yes, you just wrote down Dusty Rhodes. I got you. <laughs> you didn't even know. You didn't even know. Got him. Got him. All right. Is there anything else you want to go? You, you snuck on WCW. Is that and you? Feel That's kind of what this that. was. Is it was like, it felt bad not to have WCW on the list. So the, here it is. Feel good about that. You feel good. I, I feel good. It feels like it counts. Feels like it counts. Okay. You know, if, yeah. as long as you feel like it counts, doesn't matter if I feel like it counts. 
All right. Moving on to third promo or angle or whatever you would like to call this. It is emotional. It is the CM Punk AEW return promo. Dan, why this make your design comp? Uh, I mean, it's pr- pretty clear from my list what kind of pro wrestling fan I am and how important CM Punk was to me being a pro wrestling fan. Um, he always felt at that time, it sounds corny, like he felt like one of us. Like it felt like we had somebody in there in Ring of Honor and then WWE. And AEW felt like a return of Ring of Honor. If it, in a way, you know, Ring of Honor never left technically. It felt like a return of the years that I like wrestling. And then CM Punk coming back felt like the like the cherry on top. Or like, for, like he has the line about he left pro wrestling and whatever date he left. And now he's back. Or that's what it feels like. Where it feels like pro wrestling is back on primetime TV. I have a lot of issues with AEW. And I want to come off like an AEW shell. But they are what they're doing is important. And I'm so glad it's around. Yeah, there are certain moments I would never expect from wrestling if it weren't for AEW. CM Punk coming back was not on my bingo card. Thanks. I repeatedly said never. I would tell people, like, don't worry about it. It's never happening. Okay, your hopes up. Not even worth thinking about. Yeah. He's done. I was, a, I was a huge CM Punk fan, but he's not coming back. I, uh, and he also wasn't on my list. Uh the homicide train acid Mac takes place on Wrestle Rave, which has, I'm sure someone's put it on a desert island or someone will, the Wrestle Rave promo where he's becoming a monster to fight the monsters of the world, the promo against Raven. Like, he he could talk where everyone in Ring of Honor couldn't. It wasn't like, a lot of people didn't have promo skills, and he did. And he was a big part of Ring of Honor, and now he's back. And he's emotional, the fans are emotional. And if we can't get emotional about wrestling, I don't really understand why we're all doing this for so long. <laughs> yeah, in that sold out building because because of him on like we yeah, snowed kept secret in the world, you know? Yes. But when that music hit, it was just like, oh shit, it's happening. This is it's the worst kept secret in the world, but there's still that level of doubt, like I like obviously he's gonna come out, but like Really? Is he? How? I remember that I was working, and I made it very clear that I was not working during Rampage, that I was pulling it up, because I actually watched it on my iPad, and I was like, this is um, this is, this is, is happening. And, then, and at 9.58, I just, whatever time it starts, I, I just quit. I just walked away. Got the iPad. You're like, hey, boss man. Catch you on the it's next time. It's CM Punk. <laughs> This ain't going to happen every day. Let's get yeah. to it. Got to go. Uh, and then it also just works as a piece of pro wrestling. It It's so short at the end, but he sets up the Darby Max perfectly. No, oh, yeah. It, it definitely works as just a pro wrestling bit. Even obviously, I think I really enjoyed the Darby match. So it all kind of it's a bummer that he's out right now. Yeah, but that match they, versus they Mox him up is going to be yeah. huge. Oh, it's going to be gigantic. And that's not a match that I would have thought I'd be pining for. Even if you told me somehow years ago, like AEW's a thing, Mox is going to go there, Punk will come back. I wouldn't instantly think you got to have them against each other. And now I'm like, I can't wait. 
I can't yeah, it, wait to hear the promos. There was only something wait. that I was thinking that, oh, maybe like the shine is off Mox as he's with Blackpool Combat Club and he's with Brian Danielson. You know what? Like, okay, maybe he's like, is he he's second fiddle maybe to to Brian now, even in his own group? Ah, it's, it's I, I love Brian, so like, whatever. But then, and obviously both were out, but like being at the Rochester Dynamite and how over Mox was, it was like, oh no, like nothing's been lost here. He is still the guy to these fans. He is the man. And I'm curious how that plays against CM Punk when he comes back again, just because I, I, Box has that credibility that like an, the Adam Page, I just think did not, even though he was just as over, I would say, but Box is Mox, and he yeah. looks like he looks the part. He's got the credentials. It'll be exciting. No, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think everything CM Punk has done has been great. I'm a low vote on MJF, um, and I love that feud. I thought it worked. I thought it was great. Um, the title, the title feud with Page, perfect. Uh, it was the, like he perfect time for him to become champion. And again, like I said, it just sucks he's injured, and I just can't wait for him to come back. And you know, I was the target audience for his return, and it worked. It worked. I'm in a break room in a steel mill, tearing up. There we go. That's pro wrestling, baby. Yeah. There you go. And that is it. That's the de- your desert island comp. I think it's pretty clear. Like, there's a lot of love for that 2003 through 2000, and I'll even go 2009 or 2008. You said yeah. sort of pro wrestling in the U.S. Indies. You have your kind of de facto Noah match. In the Kensuke office match. You've got the Briscoes just going ape shit on each other. You got a modern Lucha classic. A plenty of Cleveland love here. This feels like a, a very you. Very this fits you. I know you said, hey, you want to be a little bit original too. Didn't want to pick all the same old ones, but I think it works. No, it, it feels very me. Um, I don't want to. My new. This is I actually. I'm from around here, and I spent most of my life in Cleveland. I want people to know there is wrestling around here. It's a very little different. The it's best match I've seen here is in a piggly wiggly parking lot where I saw Tracy Smothers before he passed away. So it's All it's right. a little different. Yeah, but we got wrestling, we got wrestling down here too. But there's I nothing that to, I put on my like that. I'll need to know more. I <laughs> am deeply invested to see. you what the scene is like because it just that match alone when it had it was a long time it was a while ago now had to be yeah. you've dated it pretty pretty substantially would be very curious um, it's, it's just the one that i've seen um that sticks in my mind because it like i said piggly wiggly parking lot in which they tried to hook up the sound system and turned off the power in the piggly wiggly and it's been the highlight of my pro wrestling since moving down here for sure well, for most people, it would be. Yeah. All right. Do you have any closing words before we call it a day? Anything not really. Plug? I am not like a content creator. I don't do stuff. Um, 
You know what? If you're in Ohio, West Virginia, Kentucky, go to facebook.com slash T-E-S-H-A Realty and let my sister sell you or bu- sell your house or buy a house or something. That is the best plug we've gotten on this show. I just, it popped in my head. Like, in I years. don't have anything. Oh, Beautiful. My sister sells houses. Beautiful. Go buy a house. Bless your heart. What a good brother. Yeah. I'm something. <laughs> I'm going to go hit her with some Jay Briscoe chair shots. There we go. Uh, all right, Dan, thank you for being on. Everyone, thank you for listening. Go follow us at WDKWPN on Twitter. Go leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Subscribe. Go listen to QNTR. Follow them on Twitter at QNTR. And that's all. More to come. Excited for some more stuff in the pipeline. But thanks again for listening, and we'll be back next week.